happened today and in the past, sacrifices made for ours to last. Wives to widows, families torn, gave their lives, for them we mourn. Gone forever, lives are lost, freedom comes with this cost. Enjoy the life they did preserve, fate they suffered, did not deserve. On this day, lest we forget, to them we owe our life and debt. Let them in peace, for they are very tired. Give them couches where the angels sleep, like those fires. Let them wake all again to brand new dawns, fired by the sun, not wartime's bloody gun. May their peace be deep Remember where the broken bodies lie God knows how young they were To have to die Well, God knows how young they were To have to die Give them things they like let them make sound noise Give them dance hall bands, not golden harps To these our boys Let them love peace For they've had no time They should have had bird songs and trees And hills to climb The taste of summer and a ripe and pear Girls as sweet as meadow in their flowing hair Tell them how they are missed But say not to fear It's gonna be alright With us down here Let them in peace For they are very tired Give them couches where the angels sleep And light those fires Let them wake all again To a brand new dawn Fired by the sun Not wartime's bloody gun let them know they are missed But say not to fear It's gonna be alright With us down here Let them know they are Say not to fear, it's gonna be alright with us down.
I think that song is an absolutely perfect way to open up and start Memorial Day weekend, giving us an opportunity to thank all the men and women who have served and who presently serve in any branch of the military and just say thank you to all of you, in my own family even, from a grandfather that served in the Army, a sister-in-law who's in the Air Force, and even a nephew who just graduated from high school and immediately joined the Navy. Thank you to all of them and all of you who have and presently serve in the military in such a sacrificial and selfish way, we say thank you. And to all of you, happy Memorial Day weekend and welcome to Kensington Church. We're just thrilled that you're here to celebrate with us and to be a part of this experience this weekend. My name is Craig. If you have not met me yet or I haven't had the chance to meet you, I look forward to it one day. Uh, I am one of the teaching pastors here on staff and also director of church planning. And we're just thrilled that you're here. Before we get into the rest of the service, and we have a great service planned this morning, a couple things that I just want to let you know about. Uh, some that we want to celebrate as a church and some that we want to respond to as a church. Let me start with the response first. Uh, obviously, we're all aware of the devastating stuff that's been going on in Midland, Michigan with the dams that have broken and the 10,000 or more people uh, that have had to flee from their homes, thousands of homes that have been devastated. As a matter of fact, uh, we have a family member whose in-laws are in that area and their house was completely devastated by the waters. I even just saw pictures and it's unbelievable. Everything, every single thing they had was completely lost in the flooding and destroyed. And so we, as we do as a church, are trying to respond and do all we can do to help. And there's a couple of different ways that we're responding and trying to help to this crisis. Uh, number one is that our Move Out Network is partnering with the Convoy of Hope uh, to try and get needed supplies, uh, particularly to emergency shelters right now. Uh, but we're also trying to work to put together some serving teams that will move into the area as soon as we have them assembled and be able to help with some of the cleanup efforts. So here's where you can get engaged and help us as well, two different ways. Uh, number one is financially. As you can imagine, there are huge needs that some of our money can go to try and help with right now. And so there's a few ways if you want to financially help with the crisis that's going on in Midland that you can respond. Uh, number one is that you can use our Kensington app, which is probably the easiest way. If you don't have that app yet, get the app. And you can use that app uh, to be able to financially give there. Or you can text Kensington Special to 77977. Or the third way that you can give financially is just go to our website, kensingtonchurch.org forward slash giving and there will be a drop down menu uh, where you can select uh, the Midland crisis to respond to. Uh, the other way that you can also respond and help out is by volunteering and uh, being willing to join one of the teams that will go there to help with the cleanup effort. To do that all you have to do is go to kensingtonchurch.org slash move out and you can click on the move out network and then following that you can click on the draw team and somebody will be uh, in response with you uh, after you fill out a little bit of information. But definitely, if your heart is moved by this, like so many of us are, uh, I would just encourage you in whatever way you can, financially or physically, uh, to join us in trying to help out the people in Midland that have been affected. Next thing we want to do is we want to celebrate for just a minute before we move on in our service. And I want to take a minute and I want to celebrate what one of our global partners in Brazil is doing, uh, particularly in response to the COVID-19 crisis that we're all facing and how it is that we as a community are trying to come alongside and help them as well. So take a minute and watch this video, would you?
Hello Kensington Church, my name is Amanda. I am a member and a volunteer of Aponte here in Recife. We are from the same church and we have the privilege of walking together even from a distance. As you know, we have been going through a very difficult time right now and we have been facing a lot of problems, especially the poorest people that live in the slums. We as a church have already donated 30,000 loaves of bread and we have obtained food for more than 5,000 families. Our last challenge was to get water for these vulnerable people. And guess what? We did it. And we are here to thank you, Kensington Church, because your church has donated more than 30,000 bottles of water, and we have achieved our goal. Thank you so much for your investment and for dreaming about the kingdom with us. There's no doubt that God is using our partnership with Ricardo and Ricardo and the church that he leads to do incredible things to serve the people of Brazil. And that whole partnership really grew out of just a friendship between our founding pastor, Steve Andrews, and Ricardo that started years ago. And so much has come out of that partnership over the years. Not the least of which is things like uh, the fact that Ricardo has started a church planning network in and around the region that annually serves around 1,500 churches. Uh, there's also been three church plants that have spawned out of this, uh, one of which in the first five years alone has already grown to multiple locations and serves around 3,000 people. It's just incredible what God has done. And it's such an honor to be able to come alongside the work that Ricardo is doing for the Brazilian people and to serve his community. So this morning, as we get into our message, uh, our message is going to be brought to us today by uh, Danny Cox, who is lead pastor at our Troy campus, and Mish Rohner. And they're going to be looking at the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people, which is honestly one of my favorite stories. So I'm a little jealous that they get to give it, but I'm excited to hear what they're going to do with it. And this morning as they lead us, they're also going to lead us into a moment of communion before we're done. And so if you haven't had a chance yet to know about that or hear that that's happening, make sure before we get to that point in the morning, grab the elements that you'll need, whether it's juice or whatever you need for the juice and some bread of some kind, and be prepared for that moment as they walk us into it. And also, just last reminder, if you have young kids watching with you, uh, we want them to be as engaged as possible throughout the service. So make sure that you grab some device you've got, open up the Kensington Kids Facebook app that we have, and that's going to help you help them stay more engaged throughout the rest of the morning. I'm so confident that God is going to say what you need to hear today and give you what you need from him this morning. So I'm so glad you're with us. So today we're in our second week of the Sign Series and we're going to be tackling another one of the miracles that we saw Jesus perform. And as we were preparing for this weekend and just talking about a bunch of different things, one word kept coming up and the word was enough. And so I find myself in this position wondering, God, are you enough for me? Are you enough to get me through this quarantine? Are you enough to get me through all the hard times? Are you enough to mend the relationships that are kind of broken? Are you enough to help me handle my frustrations? Are you enough to help me handle my anger? Are you enough? And the truth of the matter is, is that God is more than enough. We see so many times in his word that he makes promises to us and he doesn't break them. The Bible tells us that his promises and his word cannot return void. And so that's something that we can stand on. 
And so we wanted to teach you this new song called Man of Your Word. I love it because it has a beautiful energy and it just talks about the truth of who our God is. The chorus says, if you said it, we believe it because you're a man of your word. And so I hope that as we sing this, you can jump up wherever you are, dance, sing along, and really rest in this reminder that God, if you said it, we believe it. You're a man of your word and we can trust you. So let's sing this. You're a man of your word, yeah. All things are possible when we believe. Old chains are breakable when we receive Yahweh. You keep your promises. If you said it. If you said it, we believe it. Yeah, yeah. If you said it, we believe it. Cause you're a man. Cause you're a man of your word. If you said it, we believe it. Yeah. If you said it, we believe it. Cause you're a man. Cause you're a man of your word. All things. When we believe, old chains are breakable. When we receive Yahweh, you keep your promises. If you said it, we believe it. If you said it, if you, if you said it, we believe it. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Hello, everyone. Hello, Kensington, and welcome. Uh, this is Danny and Mish, and we are so grateful that we are joining you here on a beautiful Memorial Day. I think everyone left the Detroit area and then went to Traverse City. So you're all probably there watching this because it has been lifted up in that part of our state. Uh, but if you are great, wherever you are, welcome. And we are grateful uh, for all the men and women that we are really remembering this weekend that have paid the ultimate sacrifice to let us do exactly what we're doing right now, which is to freely worship. And so we thank you, we thank the families, and we're thinking of all of them in this moment. That song that Aaron and the team sang, Man of Your Word, really has a very core truth that we're going to hold on to and bump through our day today. This idea that God's word is true, his promises are true. And we're going to look at that in this week two of this series uh, that we're calling Signs. Today is a super special day for me personally because I get to teach and lead with Mish Rohner, who is somebody that is absolutely uh, precious to me. So this is a dream moment for me. I'm so excited. Uh, Mish, the first time I met you, uh, you came into an office space at Kensington. You had this funny little voice, and I was like, who is this person? Where is she from? And then I heard that you did music, and you led worship, and you, and you taught, and you, te you, know, you preached. And so I asked if I could hear you lead and play music. You showed up a day or two later. We went into an office space. You sat down the piano. I'll never forget it. You started singing about a minute and a half in. 
I was like, whoa, you, would you please come with me? And would you please leave worship next Wednesday at our Troy campus? And sure enough, you said yes. And I'll never forget the first time you led. You sat at a piano. I can picture it in my mind. First couple just words you started singing and our whole congregation just started singing. I said, wow, this person is gifted. God has put his hand on you. And luckily for the Troy campus, you came on for a season to be our worship leader. But I'd love for you to introduce yourself and your family. Thank you, Danny. Well, now everyone's just waiting to hear my funny little voice, which... I'm sorry if it disappoints you. This is what it is. <laughs> but yeah, that feels like a lifetime ago. Um, but I'm so grateful for that time in my life and everything that's happened since then. So speaking of my funny little voice, I thinking back to when I first came to America, I had um, someone come up and ask me, hey, are you from England or Australia? And I thought, wow, I didn't realize that was a multiple choice question. I, it's actually none of the above. I'm from South Africa. So uh, yeah, here I am now. And um, I live here to cut a very long story short of everything that's happened since that day. I now live here with um, my husband, Kevin, and my daughter, Holly. She is about 20 months, year and a half. You kind of lose track somewhere along the way. But if you hear squealing in the background, it's either Kevin or Holly. So just pretend like everything's okay. And keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just super excited to be with you and grateful we get to do this together. Me too. Uh, before we jump into the scripture, we are going to receive our offering. And I just have to tell this community, thank you for your unbelievable generosity during this unprecedented time. You have no idea really, really have no idea how important uh, the generosity of this community has been for our church to be able to reach out and to serve our community in a time of need. Uh, whether it be all of the masks that have been made, all of the meals that have been given and served, uh, everything that has happened from baby formula uh, to cards to gift cards, all of that is made possible by all of the generosity in this community. We also recognize, of course, too, that many of you have been hit by this financial crisis and we're really trying to come alongside our full community, you as well. And so if you're hurting, you need something, please reach out to us. Uh, we give online. We always have given online many years. Uh, so I know over 80, 85% of us do that. Uh, during this time, it's so important. And so we want to tell you how we do that. You can go to kensingtonchurch.org, right to our website. You can also go to uh, just text 77977 to Kensington and follow the prompts or download our app. And I say the same thing all the time. Just download our app. It's for so much more than just giving. But thank you so much uh, for your generosity. Well, this weekend, we are looking at a very famous story in Scripture that is usually referred to as feeding the 5,000 or feeding the multitude. And this story is very significant because it is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, it's, and, and that's significant because besides this miracle... It's only the resurrection that appears in all four Gospels. And I believe it's in there because it is so important, the lesson is trying to teach us, the truth that is trying to teach us about God. And the Apostle John wrote this, and he wrote about what he saw and what he heard. Why? Because the Apostle John was really close. He was, he was in the inner circle of Jesus. And as he was close in this inner circle of Jesus and walking through life, he saw everything, he heard everything, he learned everything. He was part of these miracles and these experiences. Also, I believe, I love what the, the author and pastor Andy Stanley says, that 
John records these events because they're pointing to something. Thus, the name of the series, Signs. And I like how Andy Stanley puts it. He says he records these events and they're signs. And these signs are pointing to the evidence of what? The evidence of who Jesus really is. The identity of Jesus. And John writes about some of this in John 20. He says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Meaning, he's saying, I saw and I've heard these things, which are not written in this book. So he's like, there's so much more I could tell you, but I just put these in here. He says, but these, these are written so that, say the word so that, so that, say it again, so that. That's important because that's saying he did this for a reason, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And, so there's something else, that by believing, you may have something. We're going to hold that because we're going to really have that play out this whole day. What do you have by believing in Jesus? We thought we would have fun with this particular miracle and this event recorded. And so a few years ago, our K Kids creative team put together what I think is a hilarious video. And it's depicting what I also think is exactly what happened in this moment in history. And so we would like to show you this. Hey, kids, I want to challenge you. All you kids that are watching, pay attention. As you watch this video. And as you listen to Mish and I walk through this day and teach, I would challenge you something. Would you draw a picture? Would you draw a picture of what you think this might have looked like when Jesus fed more people than you can ever imagine with just a little bit? But let's fall into this story of how this actually happened. Attention, people! God loves you very much. Man, I'm hungry. Jesus has been talking for a long time. Yeah, me too. I haven't eaten forever. I'm so hungry. Cutie-bell. My belly makes noises like this. Grumble, grumble, grumble. I think I would go that he's hungry too. What do we do? We should make them all grilled cheese sandwiches. Good idea. Do you have any cheese? No. Oh, I know. Let's make Pop-Tarts. Wait, do you have any Pop-Tarts? No. How will we cook the Brussels sprouts? Ew, yuck. No one wants to eat that. How will we ask Jesus what to do? Okay, he'll know what to do. He's super smart. Um, Jesus, we have a problem. What's the problem? We're really hungry. So is everyone else. What should we do? Well, did you bring any Pop-Tart? No. Well, maybe you could buy them a Happy Meal. We can't do that. There's 5,000 people here. That would cost a million billion dollars. I yes. That's only enough to get five chicken nuggets. Go see if anyone else has any food. Okay, let's go. Do you have any food? Nope. Do you have any food? Woo, woo, woo. Never. Do 
you have any food? Do you have any food? Do you have any food? Does anyone have any food here? I have any food. Give me pop tarts. Did you find anything? I found a stick. I found a worm. And I found a transformer. But I don't think we can eat any of those. Wendell Boy gave me his lunch. Guess what it is? Watermelon. Uh, nope. Spaghetti. No. Blueberries. No. Cotton candy. No. Pizza rolls. I don't think they invented those yet. Oh, right. I see five pieces of bread, two fists. You get what you get and you don't throw fit. That will work just fine. Watch this. Dear God, make this turn into a whole lot of food. Amen. Ta-da! Wow, that's a lot of food. Now you can feed everybody. Yeah! That's way better than eating a stick. Let's go give it away! Okay. I really do think that story is exactly how it happened yes. and hilarious. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure um, what translation of the Bible that that was taken <laughs> from, but it's definitely my new favorite version of that story. <laughs> Um, you know, I think a lot of us are actually familiar with that story. Perhaps you've heard it before, but I think we don't often realize what had happened just before the story takes place. And so um, this story follows a period where Jesus had actually been teaching and healing people and performing miracles. And now he had actually just heard about the death of his very close follower and dear friend, John the Baptist. And so Jesus in this moment was actually trying to retreat to a quiet place so that he could be by himself to grieve and to process what had actually just happened. The problem was the crowd wanted more of him and they had had a taste of his miracles and they had seen what he could do and now they wanted more. Now, if this was me, if I had been Jesus in this moment, or I'm guessing most of us, I would have sent the crowd away. But Jesus has compassion on the crowd. He could see the pain and, and the need that the people had. And now on top of this, he says, I can see that they're hungry and there's no food nearby for them to eat. So listen to what he says in John's account of the story. I'm going to pick up on verse five. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy bread for each one to have a bite. And I love how John, um, the writer here, is sure to tell us that Jesus wasn't asking Philip because he didn't know what to do. Okay, Jesus knew what to do. He was simply asking Philip because Jesus saw everything as a teaching moment and an opportunity to show us what his kingdom is like. And Philip, being realistic and concerned, he says, there's 5,000 men here, plus women and children. We don't have enough money to feed these people. But then Andrew, another one of Jesus' disciples, speaks up. And I just love this moment with Andrew. Look at what he says. Verse 9, here is a boy 
with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About, about 5,000 men were there, meaning more with the women and children. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And here's why I love this moment with Andrew. See, Andrew, I think, was showing this first hint of faith in this story. Think about it. If he didn't think that maybe Jesus could do something miraculous with a young boy's lunch, he wouldn't have brought it up. And Andrew, maybe he wasn't quite ready to say, hey, Jesus, here's this tiny lunch. Why don't you multiply it enough for everyone? Maybe his faith wasn't quite there yet, but it's like what Dave said last week. It's not about the size of your faith or how much faith you have. It's about the one who you put your faith in. And I think Andrew was willing to speak up because he had been watching Jesus and he had witnessed the power that Jesus has. And then think about the young boy. We don't really hear him speak in this narrative, but we can, we can pretty safely assume that he willingly offered his food because I, I don't know about you, but I just can't imagine Jesus wrestling a young boy for his lunch. Um, but this boy could have very well held on tight to his lunch and said, no way. You know, maybe this food was supposed to feed him for weeks. Maybe it was supposed to feed him and his whole family. He could have so easily gone to his natural instinct, which is what I think so many of us have, which is to self-protect, to hold on, you know, and say, I have to protect myself, kind of like what we do with toilet paper, <laughs> you know. But instead, he entrusts what little he has to his teacher, believing that he could do something greater with what little he had in his hand. And so I wonder, have you ever had a moment like this, like Andrew or like the young boy? Have you ever had an idea or a dream or you see a need that you think we could meet this, there's something we can do about this, but on your own, you know that you're just not quite enough. Maybe you don't have the right skill. Maybe you don't have enough knowledge. I think we so often let moments like this pass us by out of fear because we forget that it's not about us or about what we have. It's about the one we hand it over and surrender it to. And so the first point that we want to bring to you today is this. You are more than enough. You are more than enough. Just as you are today, with everything that you hold in your hand right now, you are enough. My, um, my parents still live in South Africa and my mom has been working at a local school there. So when schools were closed due to the coronavirus, she, like so many of us, found herself with a lot of free time on her hands. Um, and she had overheard a conversation in the, in the shops of people talking about how they couldn't find masks anywhere. They didn't know where to find them. And so she decided, I'm going to make some masks. Now, my mom is an amazing sewer. Sewer? Is that a word? Sewer? Seamstress? I don't even know how to say it, but she's amazing at it. She clearly didn't pass it down to me. But she's just one of those women who can just do anything. And um, she just decided she couldn't go to the store to buy more fabric. So she said, I'm just going to take the scraps of fabric I have lying around all my free time, my, my knowledge of sewing, and I'm just going to sew until I run out of fabric. And so um, she estimated that she had enough to make about 30 masks, which is amazing. That would help a lot of people, you know. Um, 
But she did. She said, I'm going to use the skills I have, the resources I have, and the time I have to use whatever is in my hand to serve. That's all I can do. Well, she made those 30 masks and she donated them to people who needed them. And then something amazing happened. Piles of fabric started showing up at her door, just, just arriving. And so she'd make more masks and she would donate them until she ran out of fabric and then more fabric would show up at her front door. And this kept going and going and going. And to date, my mom has made almost 2000 masks and donated all of them to hospitals, doctors, pharmacies, anybody who needs them. And at one point I said to her, mom, when are you going to stop? And she said, as long as the fabric keeps coming and as long as people need them, I'm just going to keep making. She simply took what she had in her hand and it multiplied far beyond what she could have ever imagined. That's such a great story, Mish. It really is. It, it illustrates it so perfectly that you are more than enough. Now, look, I, I love your parents and I think your mom's amazing, but your mom not only can make masks, but your mom does something crazy. Like she does something super forest gumpish. Like she runs forever. You have to tell people another <laughs> skill that your mom has. Uh, yes, my mom is also a runner um, and she's just like with her sewing, 30 masks is not enough. She keeps going. My mom runs double marathons. So um, where one marathon would be 48 Ks or I think 26 miles, I think is a is a marathon. She mm -hmm. runs marathons that are 56, 50, almost 60 miles. It's called the Comrades Marathon. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> get that problem. from I her either. <laughs> I was going to say, I can run around the block. That's about yeah. as far as I can go. But yeah. no, she's amazing. But I think that story illustrates it and your points illustrated so well that you are more than enough. And the second point we want you to think about is this, that we have more than enough. We have more than enough. Now, I know for me personally, many times I'll say, if I just had, if I just had more of, I know you're the same as me. I think in this particular time in history we're learning something we may have more than enough but jesus is trying to get this spiritual principle rooted into his disciples we have more than enough so i'm going to kind of go back a little bit in a different account in the gospel of matthew and read the same sort of stuff that mishdis did and then jump off it because there's a few more principles in there that we can grab in matthew 14 it says this Bring them here to me, meaning the five loaves and the two fishes, Jesus says. And he directed the people to sit down. We've heard that on the grass. And he took the loaves and the fish and he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Here's what I always find fascinating about that part of scripture. Jesus is God. Jesus didn't need to give thanks. He could have thanked it himself. He could have done all of this himself. He didn't have to ask for anything. But what's fascinating about Jesus is he is a absolute person of humility. In fact, in Philippians 2, it says that Jesus didn't find himself equal to God, rather that he served under. And so there's this beautiful moment where Jesus humbles himself and he thanks God for what he has. And then what does he do? Here's the beautiful part. It says, and then he gave. Say he gave. He gave. He gave to who? He gave to the disciples. Here's Jesus. He's giving. He's teaching a, a huge principle in faith that God gives what we need, that God has all that we need, that God is the ultimate provider. And who did he give it to? He gave it to his disciples. 
And then what did they have to do? Here's the one part that I feel like is so uh, hard sometimes to do. When God tries to give us something, it's hard to receive it. And so here's God. He's handing them. He's saying, here, here, I'm including you in this. I want to give you this. And we have to receive. His disciples have to receive. In fact, it says in Scripture that we can only love because God loved us first. And we receive God's love when we give. And so God gives. God gave the world Jesus, and we accept and we receive. So it's this beautiful principle of faith. And then what do disciples do? It says, and then the disciples gave them to the people. That they received from God, and then they gave. Jesus is teaching this beautiful faith principle of multiplication. As Jesus gives his blessings, he offers himself to the people, and that those who receive Christ, now they can give it to the world. This beautiful picture of multiplication. If you know the story, this little five loaves and two fishes feed 5,000 men. And most scholars believe that the true number that were there was probably somewhere between 15,000 and 20,000 people when you count women and children. Couldn't you imagine what the disciples knew and felt in that moment? They saw, they saw that there was only five loaves and two fishes. They heard Jesus give thanks. They saw Jesus hand it, and then they watched it multiply. One person said to me years ago that Jesus comes to one person on the way to another. And I've never forgot that. Jesus comes to one person, and that person receives him, and it goes out. And by the way, that is how the good news of Jesus spread over history. That is why we're here talking about Jesus. That Jesus comes to one person on the way to another. This past uh, week, just a few days ago, I had really an extraordinary experience. I had a young man reach out to me that was really struggling. In fact, he had broken up uh, with his relationship. He was distraught. He was trying to get the relationship back together. And I know this couple. And he reached out to uh, his, his uh, girlfriend and asked her, said, hey, come on, I really want to talk to you soon. She goes, hey, I want you to do two things. I want you to download a Bible app on your phone and start reading. And number two, I want you to call Danny and reach out to him. And I was so grateful uh, that he called me and he reached out to me. And so we had a Zoom call and we got together and he shared his heart so beautifully and so brokenly, by the way. He's really was struggling in a lot of areas. But what's so beautiful is that he's having this unbelievable encounter with Jesus after many years. After many years of saying, I think I would like the world to fill these parts of my life. And none of it has worked. And now he's at a place where all of this has come together through all the things that he's struggling with. And he's saying, I need something else. I thought that I had what I needed, but it didn't fulfill me. I need something else. And that, that for him is Jesus. And I'll tell you something extraordinary that happened. We talked for about an hour. And at the end of that hour, I looked at him and I said, listen, you are at a point where you need to receive Jesus. And I actually said, what's so interesting about this is I, I, the first thing I told him is, do you realize you are enough? So it's, so it's amazing that we use that part in here. You are okay. God loves you. You are okay. The second one I told him, believe it or not, was you need to receive Jesus and it's hard. You need to accept. And I said, you're at that point, man. Let's go. And he looked into the camera and just wept and said, yes, I'm ready. And we prayed, and I'm not kidding you, boy. It was those moments to me are a highlight and an honor of my life. They're holy moments. They have nothing to do with me, by the way. 
but they have all to do with the idea that at some point I received Jesus and I said yes and he came into my life and he transformed my life and guess what we get to do? We get to give Jesus to the world. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9. He says this about the abundant life of Jesus. He said, And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that, there you go again, you have the so that, so that by always having enough of everything, Jesus, you may share abundantly in every good work. The principle is here is God is a God of abundance. He's not a God of scarcity. And Jesus works through people to create more abundance. Do you know today that you are more than enough? That we have more than enough in Christ. And the last point we're going to say is this, and this is the one that is the most obvious. Jesus is more than enough. You know what's fascinating about this story, and it always has been to me, that all of these people, thousands of people got to eat food and get their stomachs. In fact, it said that when it was done, there were leftovers, a lot of leftovers. And so Jesus was more than enough. And they got to have their fill until they were absolutely full. And then Jesus leaves and he goes to the other side of the lake. And the people over the next day or so follow him because they want more bread. And they get there and Jesus just calls them out. He says, you have followed me over here because you want to be fed. You want your food. You want to see the trick. You want to see me do it again, basically. You want your food. He says, but I have food that never spoils. I have a food like you're, you're going to be hungry again every time you search the world to fill your hunger and to fill your desires. But I have a food that will never spoil and that will fill you always. And they're so intrigued and they say, we want that. What do we have to do? What kind of work do we have to do to require that food, acquire it? And he says this in John 6, 20, 29. He says, the work that God requires is this, to believe in the one that I sent, to believe in Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus. John 6, 33, 36 says this, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. <laughs> like That's what we want. So in the beginning of this talk, I, I, I read from John 20, it says, So that you will believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have, and that finishing part of that scripture was, life in his name. True life comes from the bread of life, which is Jesus. Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Yeah, I love that, Danny. And what is so amazing and so beautiful about that picture is it was just a few days after Jesus fed the 5,000, well, 15 or 20,000 people, that he and his disciples shared the Passover meal. And that's where Jesus broke bread at the table. And what did he say? He said, this is my body broken for you. Again, he's using bread as a symbol for himself. And in this case, he's foreshadowing what was about to come when he would go to the cross to die for all of us. Um, but what I find really interesting about what he said is when he said, this is my body broken for you. Who is the you that he was speaking about here? He's, he's speaking to his disciples, but was he only speaking about the disciples? Was he only speaking about the Jews? Was it just a select few that his body would be broken for? No, it was all of those people and more. 
It was the crowd that he had fed on the hill that day and their families and their friends and anyone else that would come to him to receive. See, Jesus cared about the hunger of the crowd. And I love what Dave said last week. He said, if it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to God. He cared about their needs, even just the hunger pains in their stomach. But he doesn't stop there. He goes beyond that to the spiritual need, right? And as we see in the story of the 5,000, it's not just his disciples that he feeds. It's every single person who would come and receive. And just like the bread did not run out on that day, his love doesn't run out either. There's enough Jesus for everyone. And that's why we want to sit on that last point, which is what Danny said. Jesus is more than enough. He's not just enough. He's more than enough, more than we could ever need or want or imagine. And our world is really hurting right now. There is pain, there is sickness, there is fear, there's opposition, but there is also good news. Jesus offers life. He is the bread of life. Jesus offers comfort in our pain. Jesus offers hope in our uncertainty. But let's not for a second allow ourselves to believe that these things that Jesus offers us are only for a select few or a small group of people. Jesus' love is more than enough for everyone. We just have to receive it. And once we've received it, we take it and we share it. And when I think about how I can share his love to those around me and, and to the people in this world, I immediately think of material things. I look for physical needs that need to be met or someone that needs something, you know, material that I can see and touch it or do. And that's good. Jesus did that too. That's what he did with the people when he fed them, when he fed their hunger. Every provision that we have, every gift that we have is from him and we need to be generous with it. But it can't end there. How much more than just our daily bread, just our daily provision has God given to us? What about forgiveness? Jesus has forgiven me beyond what I could have ever asked him for. Am I then showing that forgiveness to people who have hurt me? What about grace? His grace is more than I will ever come close to being deserving of. Am I extending grace to people in my life, whether they deserve it or not? And what about his love? He covers you in unconditional love every single day. So do you allow love to flow out of the words that you say to your family, to the people you work with, even when tensions are high and things are difficult, to the people who you agree with or don't agree with on social media? It's not about trying to be a good person. It's about sharing out of the abundance of what he has already given to us, sharing out of that abundance and giving over and over and over again. So as we were thinking about this, we just thought, you know, the best way to end our time together would be with communion. And that's not simply because this is just a tradition or a religious act that Christians do. It's important, but that's not the only reason. It's because communion is actually a moment of unity and remembrance. Just as Jesus broke the bread when he fed the 5,000 and then he broke the bread at the Passover meal with his disciples, we now get to break bread in our homes with our families 
to remember the abundance that he has given us, not just physically, but his very own body so that we can call him our savior, our king and our friend. And let me just say, this moment is for everyone. We wanna make that very clear. Kids, I'm talking to you right now, okay? If you're watching this and thinking that communion is just that something that's for grown-ups, I wanna remind you, Jesus cared about children so much. He talks about them all the time. He was always hanging out with them. And in fact, he told a lot of grown-ups that they should be more like children a lot of the time too. So please understand this moment is for you as well. And even if you feel like you don't really understand why we do it, this is a great opportunity, families, for you to talk about it together. You know, a lot of the time when we take communion, we might do it in a church building. And a lot of that time, you don't get to do it with your whole family because maybe the kids are in the kids wing or in a nursery. This might be a really special moment in time where you get to take it as a family and talk about what it means to remember how much Jesus loves you, that he sees you, that he has a plan for you and that he is the only one that you need. He's more than enough. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to a song. And while we do that, um, this is an opportunity. If you don't have something in front of you uh, to use as communion, use this time during the song to go get something. It can be bread, it can be crackers, juice, whatever you can find. Um, but make sure you don't take it just yet. Hold on to it. Um, and then at the end of the song, we're going to lead you through and we're actually going to take it together as a family. So let's listen to this together. You're my constant in the chaos. You're my compass when the road seems long. You're my portion, never failing. For me, only Jesus. Let my heart one foot but you just you let my heart want for nothing but you just you the riches of this world could never satisfy let my heart want for only you're my center should i want you're my future, and you redeem my past every moment, and then forever, for me, only Jesus, oh, for me, only Jesus. Let 
for me, for me. Only Jesus for me, for me. Only Jesus for me, for me. On the night that Jesus had his last supper, his last meal with his closest disciples, he wanted to give them something that they could always remember what they saw, what they heard, what they received, and what they gave to the world while he was walking on this planet. He ultimately wanted to, them to remember the sacrifice that was going to happen that they never really quite understood until afterwards. And so he wanted to give them something. And that's what we call communion. We have this beautiful time together where we can take communion. And the Apostle Paul actually writes about this in 1 Corinthians 11 to the church in Corinth. He says it this way, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you. I don't want you to miss that part. It's what we've been talking about this whole time. That Paul's saying, guess what? I received from the Lord. And what is he doing? I'm handing it on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and we had given thanks he broke it and he said this this is my body that is for you do this in remembrance of me and so I would have you take the bread in that spirit knowing that Jesus gave everything his body up for all people so that we could then receive and give Verse 25 says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. We'd like to pray together, and as we were teaching this message, we both really felt that we would love to pray for the person, especially right now, that has never really received Jesus. Just like the story I told you of my friend, that there is a moment today where you've realized that you have been trying to satisfy your thirst and your hunger and all of your desire in the things of this world. And that Jesus says you can do that all day long. It's never going to fully satisfy 
but Jesus is really is the bread of life. So I'm going to pray now. And if that's you, it's a simple prayer. Pray with me. Lord, I've realized, you can say this in your heart, I've realized, Lord, that I've been chasing my own desires, trying to fill my own hungers and thirst with the ways of this world. And I've realized today that you are exactly who you say you are, that you are the Son of God, and that you came to give your life for all, that whoever would place their faith in you shall never perish, but have eternal life. And so in this moment, Jesus, I give my life to you. I turn from my old life and I move to you in new life. Amen. And Father, we thank you for the gift of communion. Thank you for giving us a way to remember what you have done for us, not only in the past, but now, every single day, what you do for us, Lord. Thank you for this moment of unity that we get to share, even though we are socially distanced right now, we get to have this moment where we together are remembering you and your goodness and your kindness to us as a family, as a church. So we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that you are more than enough, that you are the only one that we need and that you satisfy every desire you satisfy every hunger. You satisfy every need, Lord. We thank you that you are the provider, not just of the physical, but of the spiritual needs of our heart, Lord. You are so good. You are such a good Father, and we are so grateful for you. We pray all these things in your Son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Surrendering, I give it all to you with everything. God, I'm pursuing you with hands held high. I finally know why I'm alive. I finally know why I'm alive. Oh, Jesus, I finally know, oh, I lean into your love, press into your heart, I'm trying to
Sometimes when we have a song like that, I sing. And sometimes, like today, I just listen. And I listen for the line that is what I needed to hear today. And for me, that line that I needed to hear is the line, I give it all to you. And truth be told, I think I need to hear that because number one, it's not just profound, it's challenging. But in its challenge and in its profoundness, when we can truly surrender it all, that's where we'll learn and experience exactly what Danny and Mish talked about. We're more than enough. We have more than enough. And most of all, Jesus is more than enough. I'm so glad you were with us today. And, and here's what I'm going to trust and believe is that God said and did exactly what you needed him to say and needed him to do. Don't forget that this week on Wednesday at 7 o'clock is our midweek. We're going to be launching a new series this week called Rock Solid Living. It's going to be a study of the book of 1 Peter. I'm excited to be able to launch that series off with you on Wednesday. So make sure to come back and be a part of that. And then next Sunday at the same times, we'll be back for week three of the series that we're in called Signs, where we're going to be looking at Jesus' incredible moment of raising Lazarus from the dead. If you need to talk to somebody this morning or you need somebody to pray with you, we want to be here for you. So if you could go to our website and click on the chat button, there will be a team of people there to connect with you, pray with you, encourage you, and serve you however we can. So again, happy Memorial Day weekend. We're so glad that you were with us today. You are loved, and we will see you next week. Bye.